Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of June 2nd, 2014. This is episode 233, and I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval for the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. With me today in studio and out are... In studio is Jackie Olson, account manager with Interval. And Adam Meyer, principal at Interval. I am extra, extra, extra. Extra studio? What would be the right term? Extraneous. There? Extraneously <laughs> studionic. Extra studio. <laughs> now you sound like Phil, Phil Collin. Your Susudio? Susudio. Nice. How's it been? It's been a while for me. I feel like it's been a long time since I sat down for a podcast. A couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Or did we? Oh, we, we had carried... one week off from the holiday, and then Jackie and I did one. Is that right? Yeah, we ca- we carried the weight. Yeah, we yep. carried it. Yeah, you did. I haven't the, listened to it yet. Is it torch. good? Oh, it's probably the best one we've ever had. Yeah. In that case, I'd skip it. Well, I would expect <laughs> nothing less. <laughs> all, all other podcasts yeah. will pale in comparison. So you probably just, yeah, just don't even listen to it. All right. We'll try our best here, but <laughs> we don't it's okay want to, to be second. We don't want to intimidate you. Me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, don't talk anymore about it because I'll get all nervous. <laughs> I've been gone. That's my problem. That's the problem right there. Been speaking. As, as what did you call me like two years ago? You use a very derogatory term because I had a bunch of speaking engagements. A speaking whore? I think that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oops. Yeah, so I've been whoring myself out speaking wise. So I was in Charlottesville, Virginia for the Vishmapur conference in on May twenty second, which was great. Great audience, great crew. Uh, great rum and coke. Thank you, Eric. Uh, where else was I? <clears throat> it was somewhere else. It's not on here. Oh, where was I? Maybe it was just there. I think I've talked about the other ones. Uh, so I won't get into those. But there's more coming, which I've alluded to. More details on that. July 23rd, I'll be at a conference in Orlando for the Florida Hospital Association. We're still trying to figure out exactly what topic. Uh, but that'll be fun. And then August 8th, going to Austin, Texas. Have you guys ever been to Austin, Texas? I have I not, have, but it's probably the it. only place in Texas that I would want to. And I don't, I'm not, I don't mean to insult wow. Texas, but it's probably. Sorry for the rest of you fans, <laughs> followers. I, 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 as that was coming out of my mouth, I'm realizing this is going to be really offensive to anyone in Texas who doesn't live in Austin. No, it's just, I think the energy of Austin, which I've heard is just very different from um, you know, uh, the rest of Texas, is probably why I would want to go there. Yeah. And you've been there, Jackie? I have. It's been about eight years, but when I went, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I feel like I could live there, besides the heat. Well, I'm going on August 8th, so yeah, that'll be, it'll be a hot time in the old town that night. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to Austin, so I'm looking forward to it. Texas Hospital Association's having a conference there for healthcare marketing communicators, so that will be on content marketing, going vertical. Content marketing. So that'll be cool. There are other places that are nice in Texas, Adam. Um, oh, I'm sure. I'm San sure all Antonio. of Texas. Is San Antonio, downtown San Antonio is very cool. For example, for, as one example. Um, but that's all we got. What? But that's all we got. No, I've spent a lot of time in Dallas. Dallas is fun. I've spent a lot of time in Houston. I'm not a fan of Houston at all, but it's partly because I think when I visited there, it was the dead of summer and it was just so hot and humid and dirty and it was oppressive. it's just a big city. Houston's like the fourth biggest city in the country. 
People don't realize yeah. that. It's massive. Uh, a couple shout outs here. Shouting her out. Oh, I lost one of my things already. For God, Don, Don. Well, one of them is to um, Katie Cologne from Fairview Health right here in the fair state of Minnesota, which is having lovely weather recently. Uh, Katie is a uh, new listener. I think she's a new listener. Maybe she's a longtime listener. But she's a fan, as she notes. And she asked if we could do uh, spend some significant time on a podcast talking about the use of humor in healthcare brand marketing. So mm-hmm. is it ever appropriate? Does it work? When does it not work? When is it inappropriate? Do we have examples? We do. We have a lot of opinions on that. We've talked about that uh, over the years, I think, here and there, but never really done a like a main theme for a podcast on it. So yeah. we're going to do that. Uh, before we do it, though, we thought we'd throw this out to the to the herd of followers that we have. If anybody has their own opinions on that topic. Is it appropriate? And we're talking about hospitals and health systems uh, primarily here, but you know, when do you think it's appropriate? When is it appropriate? Do you have examples? I mean, we have so many examples over the years. Um, and, and I think what I'd rather do is stay away from the um, kind of public health topics where I think there is more opportunity to use humor and stick just with hospitals and health systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be a little more narrow, but I think it's it's more on target with our audience, and it's a more difficult question, mm-hmm. I think. So if you've got something you want to share, uh, you can email us at info at thinkinterval.com. You can uh, share something with us via LinkedIn. Can you do that anymore? I, I'm not. Yeah, I head, over to our, head over to our yeah, LinkedIn they- page, and uh, you can post up. And to post us something? Thank you. So. I know we shut. <laughs> We've changed we shut recently. down the. Well, we shut down the the group that was mm-hmm. dedicated to the podcast because we can fulfill that conversation just as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, or you could tweet. I'm at at interval Chris. So tweet me there with examples. You know, last week we actually were talking about humor in healthcare. With that muffin top ad, that's what Adam and I covered. Ah. So we might have to bring that back up. I know it's not hospital or health system, but we can bring that back up for sure. Yes. And we wanted to do a continuing shout out to Blake Darso. I think I'm pronouncing his right, his name right. Blake is a manager of the healthcare division for Clifton Larson Allen, which is a consulting firm. Uh, if you recall, Blake was the gentleman who was sitting next to me in the exit row of a flight that I took about a month ago, and we gave him a shout-out. I didn't know who he was. He made a comment on uh, this podcast that I was listening to. He saw it on my iPhone and asked about it. So we gave him a Mm shout-out, an anonymous shout-out to whoever the guy was. Well, Blake followed up and listened to the podcast, heard the shout-out, and sent us an email. I think I should read it. Can I read it? I give you permission. Okay. After a long week at a client in St. Thomas, I find myself in an exit row on a Friday night flight from Atlanta to Minneapolis. The man next to me happens to have a podcast on that catches my eye. Does that say arrogant healthcare marketing bastards, I think to myself? I asked the man next to me to confirm I'm not seeing things as a result of dehydration. I was surprised I happened to remember that given I fell asleep immediately after our discussion, which we did. He did. Uh, I was even more surprised to hear a shout out to me in episode 230. 
So Blake offers, uh, if we ever want to have a conversation about financial implications of healthcare trends, we should talk to him, which actually would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I, that's another one where we could spend a nice, thick podcast on. Uh, so we'll line up Blake for a future, potentially for a future podcast. For, for a future interview. thick podcast? For what? A thick one. Because <laughs> that would be a thick topic. But it was always great to kind of connect the business side of healthcare with what we do, because that's mm-hmm. what marketing is supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> knock, knock. Okay. So let's get to our meat for the day. We had a couple. We have two meaty things, and then kind of some dessert at the end. <laughs> Once you hear what that's about. <laughs> uh, so the first one is we have a new article up on our website <clears throat> about marketing automation called "Marketing Automation: Big Promise, Big Challenge." Now we tackled this uh, in a podcast not too long ago. I don't know, maybe six or seven episodes ago. Yeah, a month ago. Yeah. And the, the article covers a lot of the same ground in that it's a very high-level kind of perspective uh, of really marketing automation holds the promise to be the next big thing mm-hmm. uh, from a healthcare marketing standpoint. It's already a big thing for many other industries, right. but as per usual, we're a little behind. So uh, it's really not a, it, it's not a big thing uh, in a dominant way. There are certainly health care organizations, health systems, and hospitals that are using it, uh, but most aren't, and many aren't really sure even what it's about. So uh, the article kind of talks about that. What I thought we could kind of cover real quick for our listeners uh, are some of the challenges that we see, uh, and there's a lot of potential challenges with this. Uh, I think <clears throat> the promise is huge here. But uh, I think there's some things to to keep in mind with it. The first is uh, this is really an addition to what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't replace uh, all the different things that you may or should be doing from a marketing perspective. It doesn't replace your need to build a brand. It doesn't replace your need to use content marketing. It doesn't replace your need to use digital marketing. It doesn't replace um, very specifically the need to have a CRM system in place. Uh, Really marketing automation builds on all of that and kind of helps carry the ball over the goal line to use a really beat up metaphor. Um, You know, if you're using CRM now without marketing automation, uh, you're able to capture information on your audiences or your whatever audiences this may be, including mm-hmm. your patients, you're able to target them uh, with very segmented messages and efforts. Marking automation allows you to follow up uh, on those folks depending on their behavior uh, and also folks that happen to, to visit your website and, and do certain things. So in that sense, it's really inc- incremental is the wrong word. Incremental usually means like additive, but not in a big way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be more than incremental. It's additive in a big way in that if you're going to adopt marketing automation in a, in a significant way, you're going to have to add um, resources to do that. First of all, you're going to have to expend money just for the technology. Uh, you're going to have to find people internally who understand how to leverage it. You're going to spend more time uh, building the programs to leverage it. You're going to spend more time planning using marketing automation. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a lot more work. And it's oh, yeah. going to be more money. Uh, the second thing is, what was that? That was my chair, Jackie. 
Do you want me to try to replicate it? I don't think I can I'm do it. Getting an echo to begin with. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, let's see. You totally threw me off track there. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it was my fault. Adam <laughs> laughed too. Uh, another challenge with it, I think, especially for people that are new to it, they hear marking automation and they think, oh, cool, I just push a button and this happens. Uh, actually, it's extraordinarily complex to set up and, and manage. Uh, and it's and it's really a never-ending kind of deal because while you it takes a lot of time and effort and, and thought to set up your marketing mm-hmm. automation programs in the right way, uh, but then it's not done. It's never done. Because you're going to constantly learn from those uh, programs about what's working and what's not, uh, and you're going to be constantly changing them to perfect your marketing automation effort. So uh, it's not really automatic that the delivery of the communications in the program is automatic, but you have to set all that up ahead of time, and you have to set up, you have to create the communications. So now we're we're at that stage where, uh, like with the promise of on-demand printing, where everybody got excited, where you could, you know, hey, we could. You know, instead of just sending one mailer, printing one mailer and sending it to everybody, we could we could print a hundred mailers and send them to you know a hundred different segments, which is all awesome. But now you got to create a hundred different mailers right. because otherwise, what's the point if they're not customized? So there's a lot of work involved. Um, it's not simple. It's additive, uh, and the other problem is that it does uh, require two significant, sophisticated technologies to be in place. Uh, marketing automation normally is a separate software platform or technology solution from CRM systems. Now, there are CRM vendors that are trying to build marketing automation into their product, uh, mm-hmm. and so it remains to be seen. It's a natural integration, but it remains to be seen whether that can be handled well because they're both such significant uh, types of technology and, and they do significant things that you always have to be concerned about somebody being, you know, the best at both customer relationship management and marketing automation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that will have to be seen. And plus it also has to connect with a robust, effective content management system on your website. Right. Uh, and because we know that our industry is already behind in adoption of CRM technology and many systems have bulky, unwieldy, ineffective, mm-hmm. 1998 developed CMS um, solutions. Uh, it's going to be hard for our industry to adopt marketing automation at the rate we should. Right. Because we have to get through those hurdles uh, before we could even begin. So a lot to think about. Huge promise, though. And if you're not familiar with it or you're just trying to understand it, I would I would really recommend diving in and... Uh, learning as much as you can because it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's, it's coming and it's unavoidable. It's unavoidable, which is a good thing. It, it holds a lot of promise. So yeah. anything you guys want to throw in there, I basically just kind of covered verbatim, not verbatim, but I covered a lot of what's in the article, but check yeah. it out on our website. Yeah, that was good. Nothing? You got nothing? Adam, yeah. you got nothing? I got nothing. All right, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Let's talk about, let's move on. We move on. We're like, clip, clip, clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really interesting to me. This is an article. It's interesting to me for a few reasons. It's an article that appeared on Health Leaders Media website uh, by Marianne Aiello, who we know. And it's called Powerful Cancer Ad Omits Some Key Details. And it's about a, an ad. I think it's a print ad initially. 
a campaign called My Life is Proof, which was developed by the Mississippi, University of Mississippi Healthcare Children's Cancer Center three years ago. Uh, but I think because it's so powerful, um, the image is so powerful that it kind of lives. And what's interesting is, first let me describe the ad. It's a, it's, a, it's a patient testimonial, essentially, a patient story. And it shows a picture of a young boy, uh, and, is, and the screen is split in half. So it's, it's the boy's face, but one half of the face is a picture of him healthy in a blue T-shirt, smiling. The other half is a picture of him. Um, he looks paler. He's bald. Clearly, he's sick. So the boy suffered from cancer. Right. Uh, and it's kind of showing the, the difference between when you're sick and what happens when you heal. So it's a very arresting image. It really grabs your attention. The boy's a beautiful little boy. He's got steel blue eyes. You just you look at it, it grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> first of all, it's interesting to me that it still lives on. It is interesting. I don't know if it's interesting enough that three years after it was launched, it's being covered in Huffington Post and other areas. Right. Um, because really what's happened is social media has kept it alive. And that's I saw it actually. Before I saw the story, I saw it pop through somebody's social media thread oh really like not mine but like a friend of mine on facebook right um and so it's i think it's just getting new life somehow that way Mm -hmm. but that's not the real story the real story here is apparently uh there's a little bit of controversy that's because uh the boy whose name is noah Mm -hmm. noah uh suffered from cancer when he was four that's when he was treated for it uh, the picture that is circulating around shows him when he's seven. And the copy says at age four, Noah was diagnosed with AML, a rare and aggressive form of leukemia. It goes on to describe, you know, what happened with him, uh, how he was treated. Uh, his children cancer team never gave up and there did Noah. Today, Noah is seven years old, living cancer free and dreaming big. Now remember this is three years ago, so he's actually 10 now. Um, Oh right, but and then there's a there's a a little bit of fine print in the ad. This is actual patient. Okay, now the, what people are a little upset about, though I think it's splitting hairs, is that the picture of Noah is when he's seven, but he was sick when he was four, mm-hmm. and so the sick part of the picture, the sick half where they're depicting him as sick, is fake. So he's wearing like a skull cap. He's got makeup on to make him look sick. Oh, really? Yeah, that's not really him when he was sick. Uh, oh. So they're kind of depicting how he looked when he was sick three years earlier. They don't say that, though. They don't say anywhere that this is a you know a replication of that. Um, and so, and and some of the you know some of the places that are covering the the picture just because I think it's cool uh, are missing that fact, and so it's kind of getting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To part of me just feels like a, our friend, I should back up, our friend Dan Dunlop, uh, who we also know is a, a listener to the show, great guy, he's quoted in the article, and I think he kind of nails it. <clears throat> he says, um, where's the quote? He says, it, quote, appears to be a case of poor judgment rather than unethical behavior. So in other words, you know, they're they're faking us out a little bit by showing him like depicting him as sick when he when he's really not in the photo, but he really was sick and he really looked right. like that. And, it was and really it's the him. same boy. Yeah. 
So I think it's splitting hairs to get up in arms about that a little bit. And the photo is so powerful that it continues to draw attention to Noah and the hospital and the plight of children with cancer. So weighing that good versus the bad of, oh, you should have told us this wasn't really him when he was four. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's really a story. What do, what do you guys think? Yeah, I can see. I mean, we li- we're living in an age of, you know, people not knowing what to believe that they see, you know, online, whether it's a story that's spreading around, whether it's an image that's been manipulated. You've got covers of magazines where every woman is, uh, you know, and, and men, but mostly women are just like this unnatural, unrealistic level of perfection, you know, have attained this unnatural and realistic level of perfection. So it's just people are hypersensitive these days to photo manipulation to make things look, you know, other than other than what they are, to portray them as something other than what they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not surprising that people are questioning this and bringing it up, even if it's old, because it's, it's, a, it's a topic that's been, you know, it's kind of a hot topic. It's something people have been talking about quite a bit lately. So ah, it's hard to say. Hard yeah. to say. And I think I think people are even more attuned to this kind of stuff with the advent of you know, you know, we've got you can you can do a lot of this kind of stuff right on your phone these days. You know, for ninety nine cents, you can get an app that you can open up photos and you can do to some extent the level of work that you know it used to require professionals to do. Um, you know, you can smooth out features of your face, make yourself look a lot more. Uh, you know, quote unquote, perfect. So people just, I think, understand it more and know how it's done a little more. So it's, I don't know, once once you can actually get your head around something like this a little bit more, like how it's done, it's maybe even becomes a little more touchy feely because you just, I, I don't know, yeah. I don't know. I, I, but it's it's not surprising that people are talking about it now. I guess right. See, I I actually do think it's surprising that people are talking about it. Maybe. I don't mean to be insensitive, but to me, it, it, since it is the same boy, I don't know. It's just a different way to depict it. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, you know, it does get to the issue of they did Photoshop him to make him look sick. Sure. They did, you know, they faked the photo. And, and here's the, you know, the, the author, Marianne, says in the end, the ends justify the means like we were talking about. But, but this doesn't help, okay? This is the... Here's, here's the only thing we hear from the hospital to put this out. A children's cancer center spokesman said the issue comes down to shoddy reporting because many media outlets are not including the copy of the ad that says Noah was four when he had cancer and seven when the ad was created. Okay, so A, you're blaming other people, and B, right. your ad doesn't say that the photo when it was when he was seven. It right. implies that he was when he was four because it shows him as sick. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So even if they had included that, that doesn't get you off the hook. Right. You misled people by trying to depict him as sick to, to make this dramatic effect. Um, and it would have been an awfully awkward, you know, fine print kind of thing to write. Uh, but but that's not a good response. That's a defensive. That sounds right. like the Department right. of Defense or NSA or <laughs> some other, you know, that's a bad response, yeah. I think. Right. I agree. Or they... You're not accepting have, responsibility yeah, at all. No, I totally agree. I mean, you should be, if, if they believe in it, they should be proud of it. They, they should just say, you know, the, the point to us was that this is Noah and this juxtaposition of where he was and where he is today is very powerful to see what can happen. The miracle can happen when you cure cancer. We understand that in retrospect that, you know, people can get upset about 
mis you know miss whatever the word is a mm-hmm. not misinterpreting but misportraying by shooting the photo the way we did when he was right. seven. But we hope people can see through that to the bigger right. deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, instead if you know- of saying it's your fault, you should have figured that out. Which no, I don't think you should have figured that out. Why? Why would I figure it out when you've got a healthy seven-year-old boy split screen with his face? Nobody would assume that's when he was four. No, because I it would be a smaller face. Well, not yeah. only that, but I think I, didn't think, that. I think one of the this is, and this I think is a problem in our industry is that we as marketers make the wrong assumptions sometimes, or we assume that the consumer knows more about healthcare and processes and how long things take than they really do. Um, so does it say, does this boy have leukemia or what did he have? He had, uh, AML. What is AML? I don't know. A rare and aggressive form of leukemia. There you go. So it's leukemia. Okay. So, I mean, my understanding of leukemia is that treat, I mean, treat chemo, you go through chemo for like literally a couple of years, I believe. Um, you know, it's, it starts out aggressive and then I think there's kind of like a, like a, I don't know if it's considered a maintenance level or what it is, but so, so, but I think. You know, if if the assumption on the half of the marketers or the healthcare providers that were kind of behind the ad is that, you know, we know this, we know that it takes a couple of years. We, you know, if we assume that people who are going to see this know that it takes a couple of years for somebody to go from this to this, um, that it's going to be obvious to people that they won't even question it. They'll just know. Uh, and I think we see that in other cases where, you know, you, you know, I, one of the things we talked about recently was, you know, putting out an ad that really talks about people being strong um, at times when they're in fact very weak or they feel very vulnerable, but you come out and talk about how strong they are, that kind of thing. Um, when exactly people are feeling the exact opposite, maybe that's not enough context, but I don't want to go too deep into it. Um, but I just, I just think that we need to be careful about the assumptions we make as healthcare marketers. Um, Mm -hmm. and those assumptions being around what people know, assuming that people know, more than they really do. I mean, I think in almost every case, you need to step back mm-hmm. and assume that people know absolutely nothing about every single type of condition that you're going to put out. And that doesn't mean that you then take it upon yourself to pack your communication with you know efforts to educate them. It just means that you need to really be careful with how you craft this stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's how Dan, again, great quote from Dan to finish the story. He says, this seems like an unfortunate oversight. It's a misstep that should make us all think about the ways in which we represent patients in marketing communications. When the goal of the advertising is to be emotionally impactful, we need to be particularly sensitive to representations that may appear to be dishonest or unethical, which is that's the approach that spokesperson should have taken. Right. Like, yes, we need to go. We need to go beyond the norm and what the point you just made, Adam, beyond the norm to be sensitive about this because we're showing a boy for crying out loud. And mm-hmm. we don't want anybody to think that there's nothing but a beautiful story here. Why right. would you want anybody left with anything different than that? And so it's up to the organization, the advertiser to make sure that's the case. And they failed in this case. And, and again, I don't think it overwhelms the story or the impact of the advertising easy. Um, you're just not helping your cause by, by being defensive in your response yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, so that's unfortunate, <clears throat> but oh well. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, very powerful, and it's it's sweet. It's great that the that the boy made it through. That's yeah. what that's what really matters. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're almost done here. Uh, I I, w- I want to give a shout out to my fiance Tanya because normally um, she works in child and family therapy, and she works for um, a, a very respected system here in the Twin Cities. 
And a lot of times she'll come to me with questions about marketing or branding just because they pop mm-hmm. up in her organization. Um, this time she taught me something inadvertently. She sent me an email <clears throat> because there's some consultants talking to uh, their professionals. And one of the references was to Pink Spoon Marketing. And she asked me, what's Pink Spoon Marketing? I'm like, I have no idea what Pink Spoon Marketing yeah, is. No, I'd never heard of it before. Um, and so I, of course, Googled and searched for it. And basically what it is, is a, a very smart woman uh, has, has come up with another term for content marketing or inbound marketing. Uh, and she's coined it in a way that she's packaged and branded this Pink Spoon Marketing. She's got a book. She's got a kit. She's got a consulting gig, all related around driving Pink Spoon Marketing. And essentially what it means is it's, it's riffing off of uh, Baskin and Robbins when you would walk in there and you'd say, oh, I'd like a taste of the pecan surprise, and they'd give you a pink spoon <laughs> full of it, and right. that would tempt you into buying ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I don't even think it's actually a, a completely accurately literal interpretation of what they've coined it for because the way they're using it is – like in content marketing where you get somebody to your website and you give them a taste of something like a paper, yeah. an article, uh, you know, so that they will give you their information so that you can follow up and market with them. So you're mm-hmm. giving them a little something and they give you something back. Um, the difference here is, if I really want to be picky, nitpicky, yeah. is you go into Baskin-Robbins to buy ice cream. You ain't walking around just like, hmm, what's this? I'm going to try this. What is that? And then you take a pink spoon and you leave. Here's my information. You know, I'll come back for ice cream later. <laughs> it's a, it's a, um, there's a word for it. I can't think of it. <clears throat> it's just a little taste to help you figure out which one you want, but you're buying. Content marketing is not about getting people to buy in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's about building a relationship with people by giving them something of value. Uh, and so I think she's twisted a little bit, uh, and I don't know how big this really. Her name's Andrea Lee, and I don't know how big her her business is or whatever. It's it's interesting, but it's really I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting way to package the idea of inbound or content marketing. But yeah, I think it's cute. I don't I don't know that it really takes us anywhere new. Right. Any thoughts, Adam? Uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, the last thing we need is another, another term for, you know, what's already been defined so many ways. People just start to get confused. But, you know, that's what marketers yeah. do. You package everything under a new label and try to, right. you know, make it sound new and fresh and, you know, different than what it was before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm kind of hoping this doesn't take off because I don't, I don't like the, I don't think it's a direct analogy. Or metaphor or whatever. I think it's it's taking a situation where somebody you're just giving somebody a choice of what they want to buy before they buy it, as opposed to content marketing, which isn't about selling at all. Right. At all. It's about giving people something of value so they see you as a resource and then when they want to buy, they will come back to you. I don't think that's what Baskin Robbins was doing by handing out pink spoon mm-hmm. tastes of pecan surprise. <laughs> they want you to buy right now. They don't care which one you buy. They're just making it easier for you to buy by giving you Samples. Uh, samples. Mm-hmm. It's a sample. That's what it is. Thank you. Oh, that that's was the word, word I'm looking for. Oh. That's sample marketing. Content marketing is not sample marketing. You're not as a hospital saying, here, let us perform surgery on your pinky to see if you'd really like to have brain surgery. <laughs> it's not a sample. 
It's different. But this person wouldn't be working. Oh, well, they are working in healthcare, huh? Yeah, they, somewhere somebody's got pink spoon marketing for therapists. So I would imagine that's where you like, as a therapist, you would create like a a paper on how to how to help your depression or whatever. Sure. Um, but it's just content marketing in the right. end. <laughs> Which there's a huge opportunity for content marketing in behavioral health, by the way. Oh, I can only imagine. Huge. Yeah. Because there's so many different areas to cover, and there's it's such an ongoing issue for people. It's not like having your appendix out depression or you know bipolar or autism or anything that falls under behavioral health it's huge opportunities there right yeah it's waiting to be taken advantage of nobody's out there hazelton Betty. <laughs> you know what's funny when I, i'm going to leave you with this when i was speaking at the national behavioral health council conference mm-hmm. we were talking about i was talking about brand and it came down somebody asked about naming and, you know, so I got into naming a little bit and I said, you know, one name's always better than two. And then I said, you know, what do you do when you're the two most powerful behavioral health organizations in the country and you merge like Hazleton and I said Betty White did. And I started talking about the Betty White Clinic for like five minutes. <laughs> and somebody's like, wait, wait, it's the Betty Ford Clinic. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe White that's Clinic. their name there. They should become the Betty White Clinic. <laughs> Oh, Betty nice. White seems like a good lass. Yeah, Betty White. She's lasted this long. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to cover before we go? Uh, you know what? I before we got on the podcast, I was kind of following the uh, Apple keynote a little bit for the Worldwide Developer Conference, which Ooh, is happening. You got some news? Now. Well, there's one. Yeah, there's well, there's a bunch of cool stuff. I won't go into all of it. Um, but there's one thing that's definitely related to directly related to what we do, and that's the fact that Apple is announcing um, something called HealthKit, which is a hub for all your quote unquote hub for all your iOS fitness tracking needs. Um, so I guess that's something we'll keep an eye on here moving forward. I want to read a little bit more about it before we jump into what it is since I really Weird. don't know in depth, but basically they're building So you've got all of these, you know, fitness devices, these wristbands and, um, you know, other monitors you can hook up to yourself when you're running, um, shoes, I think that have sensors in them that all kind of tap into these, into apps on your phone and Apple is kind of building some some centralized stuff into the operating system that I'm guessing these apps will be able to tap into and that the phone will be able to do kind of on its own. Um, oh, interesting. So I guess they, they see a big opportunity in in the health aspects of using these devices for, you know, health maintenance or health improvement. Um, and they're doing some stuff about it. So we'll look into it a little bit and maybe on the next show or on a future show, we'll talk uh, in depth a little more about what it is and... Um, you know what it might mean to us as marketers of how we could how we could leverage it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cool. One other thing, how friggin' brutal was that last night on Game of Thrones? No, you can't. Yeah. I was even going to go do there. It. We got to do it real quick. No, we can't. <laughs> no, you're just one of those guys. Okay, that... Jackie, you can't listen to this part of the podcast. You have to. Go oh, are you, oh, are you? Because you've following you've up? read the books, right, Adam? Yes. So I, I was, told. I was ex- I already told Jackie about it. Oh, okay. She doesn't know what happened. She doesn't know what happened, but I all told right, her all that. Right, right. Yeah, no. I they, knew it was coming, but it was I mean, yes. the, the way they did it was you know, even more brutal than how, yes, the how others. it was in the book. Yeah, yeah. Well, even more, more well, so than in the book to an extent. I I think it's amazing that when you know what's coming and you're still shocked by it. Oh, I that's know. incredible. <laughs> and I, I put it up there. There's two other there's a lot of things that shock and surprise in this show. There's two others that are held up 
uh, for the HBO show is people going, what the F? Never seen anything like that. There's two huge ones that have already happened. I think this was maybe even more heart-wrenching. And I mean, I walked away from that just feeling like drained and depressed. Yeah. And even though I knew it was going to happen, yeah, the yeah. way it happened, you're just like, no, we're like shouting in my living room. Yeah. Shouting. Like, I almost want to cover my eyes. I cannot tell you. I'm how pretty sure my wife turned I, her head. I'm mean, she was horrific like, and brutal and yeah. heart wrenching it was. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like So right we up should my just alley. end it there. <laughs> sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was incredible. I'm gonna go watch it again because I it was just because I missed half of it. There's like t- oh. there's speaking going on that I didn't catch. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of details because I was just like, Whoa. <laughs> you were like I'm telling you, you it's and your incredible. television. Yeah. Well, we gotta go. We could talk all day about it, but we've got yeah, we've got some things we gotta do, people we gotta see. So we'll cut it off there. But thanks for bringing it up because yeah, I'm glad I can find somebody else who's seen it. I haven't found anybody yet. <laughs> all right. So for the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast, this is Chris Bevelo, Jackie Olson, and Adam Meyer. All right. See ya. 